You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to Bad at Boundaries. And boy, oh boy, do we do we have some celebrity boundaries to talk about right at the top of this episode. Yes. And keep in mind, we are not a current events podcast. We have so much respect for people that run those because it takes so much energy and the due diligence to stay on top of everything. Absolutely. There's a reason why we consistently talk about drama that happened 10 years ago on this podcast. <laughs> like, we cannot yeah. keep up with that. Yeah, we're, we are here to reflect, mm-hmm. which is fine. There's lots of people out there. Maybe we should take some of the accounts that we follow that are more current. That would be fun. Um, I can say my favorite podcast right now is called Celebrity Beef. And it's with, do you remember back in like like early, early BuzzFeed days? Um, I think his name, it's comedian Matt Belassi. And he was the one who did Wine About It, where he used to just like chug a bottle of wine and then like deliver a monologue at you of like all the shit he was complaining about that day i'm fully nodding then i have no idea what you're talking about oh my (laughs) god i will show you an old video but he does like complete breakdowns of celebrity beef and he's like on it like every single week i don't i don't i don't understand oh interesting (laughs) yeah because my current events podcast is shit you should care about which is the girl these well actually i don't know Everyone involved. So these lovely people from New Zealand who run a current events podcast, it's world events. They're also Swifties and Harry Styles fans, among other things. So very relatable. And they put the news into um, like kind of slang language that is just a bit more relatable for, for people that are just trying to do a better job of learning about the world around them, but that are used to consuming short-form content. And there's nothing wrong with layman's terms, which mm-hmm. is why I will say in layman's terms, what the fuck is going on with Jonah Hill right now? Yeah, there's been so many great conversations like all over the internet. And like we should preface this by saying we have no way of fact-checking any of no, this. we're like, not experts with the final word on this. Yeah, you can, you can fake texts. That being said, we're going to focus on, like, the allegations themselves Mm. because I think they show a really good example of the difference between rules Mm. and boundaries because the conversations that were laid out that everyone is talking about, those are not examples of boundaries. Like, boundaries are things you... Uh, put in place. So like one of the articles we read had a quote from a sexologist named Cindy Darnell. Well, we should probably use her in the post to make sure we give full credit. Yes, thank you, Cindy. Um, but Cindy said, a boundary is something I set for myself. So I will not do this to protect myself. And a rule is you will not do this to protect me. So rules are imposed on someone else. Mm-hmm. And boundaries are set to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. So In this case, like, it sounds like these rules are coming out of a place of fear, which is not something that you should be projecting on the other people around you. Yeah, and I think it's important as we all, you know, as we all are starting our journeys, like, it feels a lot more widespread that people are engaging in self-help and engaging in therapy and, like, starting these practices that really and truly should be used for good. 
it's also important to note that like there will be people who misunderstand the context of these phrases. There will also unfortunately be people who use these specific like wellness terms as a way to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's really important to now more than ever really trust your intuition. And if something somebody is saying to you, you know, is all about imposing boundaries that feel like rules and crossing lines with you that don't feel safe or okay, even if they're using all the all the therapists speak in the world, that doesn't undo the yucky feeling in your gut. So definitely don't forget to stand up for yourself and honor your own boundaries too. Mm-hmm. And if at the end of the day, your expectations in a relationship, if they don't line up with your partners, at the end of the day, that's probably a good signal that you guys aren't supposed to be together. Yeah. If you're going into a relationship thinking that you can change the other person, Mm. you might be the asshole in the situation, not them. Um, Yeah. And I really think now more than ever, which leads us to today's topic, it's really important to engage in behaviors that honor your most authentic self, Mm -hmm. which is where we're drawing the line today. We want to talk about different ways we can be inauthentic to who we are yes oh that was a good segue yeah <laughs> oh do usually wanna... we do this the other way around this is weird yeah <laughs> I know usually I lead you in and then we go do you want me to start yeah why not I think yeah for mine a lot of this has to do with routines so sometimes if you're putting yourself into new environments mm. It's easy to figure out a pattern of what works Mm -hmm. and then stick to that. So I talk about chameleon energy all the time. Yes, I love it, which I had no idea what it was until I researched it today. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's not just me that that talks about it, but I am someone who anytime I do a personality quiz that is like ranked on a scale, Mm -hmm. I end up being like 60-40 in categories. There was one time in grade 11... I had gone to a leadership conference where we actually did this quiz on paper, unheard of these days, like where was BuzzFeed when we needed it? (laughs) Um, And I like brought my piece of paper to be scored by one of the facilitators of this weekend. And they were like, you can literally go sit in any one of these three categories. So a lot of people were having these aha moments because Mm. they were like, oh, it it was a quiz where your personality is either gold, green, orange, or blue. I'll I'll have to remember the name of it. I was not at all gold, but I was an even mix of green, blue, and orange, which meant that nothing was perfectly relatable to me. So I was bouncing around these different groups. Yeah. And I'd start in one and be like, oh, like, this is super interesting. But it was all, like, the surface level stuff. Mm. And then people would get into, like, the deeper patterns of how they behave the way they behave. And I'd be like, well, (laughs) this isn't me all the time. So I'd kind of, like, wander off to a different group and see what they were talking about. And again, like, those surface level details. I realized I was reflecting the people around me. Oh, So because I'm not... I was very socially anxious and introverted as a kid. Mm. And then that's something that kind of naturally just shifted as I got older. So I'm definitely an introverted extrovert. Yeah. Where I do need like some recharge time. And I am energized in the moment with mm. friends. But then once I am out of that environment, I'm I know. like, I need my <laughs> quiet time. But I realized that I was almost taking this chameleon energy to be my personality, where oh. I was like, I can adapt to any environment. 
And then I had to sit Ooh. myself down and be like, Kate, are you enjoying everything that this is giving you? Or is this, are you just kind of like along for the ride? Yeah. Wow. So, Sorry, just to cut in, I find it really interesting that even from that young of an age, you were oh, able to shut down your own wants, needs, and feelings to like oh, cater to the people around you. That's, I don't want to impress, impressive. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, the actual reflection on whether that was healthy or not yeah. was, like, not until, like, at least 10 years later. Ooh, it's always a little later. <laughs> that fun childhood stuff. Yeah, but I realized, like, in my early 20s, I did not really say no to activities. Yeah. Because I've talked before, like, I as a twin, I don't always love doing things alone. Yeah. So if people invited me to do things, I'd be like, especially after Molly moved away, Yeah. I'd... I would go. I was going. Mm -hmm. um, but what I realized that I was, like, overpacking my schedule. So oh, without yeah. actually, like, thinking about what I wanted to do mm -hmm. and never saying no, I would have things scheduled back to back in, like, tight timing increments oh, with, like, no room for error, which obviously meant, like, I was often running late. I didn't – I wasn't able to give people specific timelines sometimes. I'd be like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm doing this in the morning. I'll wander your way after. I'll try to give you, like, at least a 30-minute heads up. Yeah. Well, you know what? Which is exhausting because then when you're in activity yes. one, you're texting the people for activity two. Well, and one thing I remember, like, very early on in our friendship, you were just like, I one goal I have right now is I want to stop, like, double booking myself. Like, mm -hmm. doing the, okay, I can hang out with you from, like, 7 till 9, but then, like, at 9, I have to leave promptly because I have to be here for 9.30 to go to a dance party. And you are just, like, talking about how overwhelming it was. And then I think, like, the next weekend or something, we were trying to pack in, like, recording the podcast. You had other people in town you wanted to see or, like, some other friend thing going on. And I was like, hey, like, I think – I was going to, like, a wrestling show because I am a huge wrestling fan, fun mm -hmm. fact about me. And I was like, oh, like, I have an extra ticket. I'll take Kelly. And I invited you. And instantly, like, you were just like, ooh, like, what time does it start? Mm -hmm. And I think immediately I was like, do you already have plans? Because, like, just tell me no. Like, mm -hmm. if you already have other stuff going on, you're like, no, I could make it if I just, like, skimp out on this a little bit. I was like, Kate, no, <laughs> you're not coming then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, it's one of those things where you have to tell people for accountability. Yes, yes. Um, especially because then when I am more relaxed in situations and like fully present in activities, mm. I can just leave my phone lost under a couch cushion while hanging out with, with someone. Be in the because moment. Because I'm not trying to get to anything next. So then I'm actually giving people like more quality time mm -hmm. and they're probably enjoying it a lot more as well because... I was yeah. like, I feel like me being stressed out and, like, flitting about is probably not great for the other people either. Well, and who wants to sit there with a friend while the friend is constantly... Waiting to leave. Well, and on their phone, even. Like, one of the things right away that will stop me from pursuing a friendship with somebody is if I notice they're on their phone too frequently. Like, mm -hmm. I just, that is an, an immediate, like, I don't want to call it a red flag, but it's an immediate no for me. Like, I just... I, mm -hmm. If you're spending time with me, I want it to be we are spending time together and this means something to you. Yeah. I don't want to be competing against the little computer with all the answers in the known universe that's in your pocket. <laughs> like, that is just rude. Don't do that to me. I will lose every time. Yeah. But my only exception to that is mm -hmm. traveling. Oh, yeah. That's friends, different. <laughs> because you need a 30 minutes of downtime of whatever people want to do. Well, you need the 30 minutes of like, I've had a lot of socializing you for like with you for like two days straight. 
I just need a break <laughs> from you. Like, give me this half hour where I can go and talk to somebody else or, like, look at something else or, like, watch something else. And then I can get back to you and give you my full attention. I 100% agree. Traveling is traveling is another universe. It's like we talk about in our Traveler's Tummy episode. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a whole different set of rules completely. Yeah. I also think when you're in temporary environments, Mm. that's a really good way for bad habits to form as well. Yes. Because you're like, okay, maybe I'm not happy with how this is going. Mm -hmm. But in like a week or a couple months, like whatever your time frame is, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go home and I'm going to reset back to um, the patterns that I feel good about. Mm -hmm. I just, as you were talking, of course, there are like a million ways that I connect to you talking about chameleon energy because like when we were talking about wanting to do an episode about like our inauthentic selves I think it's really interesting that for both of us it brings up this element of wearing a mask and for Mm -hmm. you your mask is your chameleon personality and how you can blend in with everyone and for me my mask is my addiction to alcohol Mm. and I feel like I used it for a very long time especially in social situations to hide how vulnerable and anxious being around new people makes me, which I feel like you would never know that about me ever. Whenever I get nervous or stressed, again, I grew up in the theater as well. I wanted to be an actress when I was older. I did a lot of musical theater. No matter how many things went wrong in the final dress rehearsal, like that night when you go out on stage, like you put your mask on and Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, do what you need to do to entertain the people who showed up. And I feel like I have that, like when I'm in any social situation, I immediately be like, hello, my baby. Hello, my, like putting (laughs) on a show. And actually it's really funny. So if you know me at all in real life, you'll know that like the last like 10 years, I've I've been kind of undoing a 10-year-long addiction with mm. alcohol. And I'm at the point now where I'm okay, first of all, admitting I'm an alcoholic because the hardest thing to do when you are an addict is, like, face the fact that you're addicted to something. Like, the number of times I would say in my head, like, well, I'm not an alcoholic because I, I don't do this. And also, if I was an alcoholic, like, I would know. I'm smart. Like, I'm not, like, stuck in a haze of addiction. But I've gone to the point where I'm okay to talk about it. And I also feel comfortable telling people that, like, hey, this is something I've struggled with. And it's so funny. We were just talking about this, like, right before we recorded, how it's so helpful to have people who will hold you accountable. Like, for example, uh, our friend Annie's baby shower a couple weeks ago, which, by the way, guys, um, Annie gave birth. Hannah has entered this world. She's here, and we're so excited. We haven't met her yet, but she was actually born, I think, this morning? We probably will have met her by the time we post this, though. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So, anyways, welcome to the world. You will not get to see a picture of her because (laughs) I don't put children on the internet. Um, Anyways, welcome to the world, Hannah. We will protect you from everything awful out there. But, anyways, back to Annie's baby shower. Sorry, just to link this back to our earlier talk. Yeah, that is a hard rule for now that Mm. we will impose. And then when Hannah is old enough to make her own decisions, yes, about how she wants to be seen on the internet, we will adapt to her boundaries. Aw, we're such good aunts. 
Oh my gosh. We're going to try our best. Uh, we're going to make mistakes, such as life, but we will try really hard to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so at Annie's baby shower, before Hannah Banana entered this world, um, I posted a photo of the three of us on my Instagram. And I like was trying to figure out like what what's like a cool caption to put and like what do people say about like this kind of thing. And I made a joke for my caption. It was, Annie is eating for two. You, Kelly, were also in the photo, so you were reading for two, because if anyone knows Kelly, that is so accurate. And then I was like, oh, what do I do for two? So I made the joke, like, drinking for two, which, like, I will make it clear, I'm absolutely not doing that. Like, in any sense of the word, I think I had, like, two glasses of wine at this party. Like, I did not have very much. And I had a friend of mine, Ashley. We were also there for eight hours. We were there for eight hours, and I mostly drank punch and water because it was, like, nine degrees in that little teeny tiny condo and there were like 40 women there it was just insane it was fun I was stuck to the couch like (laughs) there was one point I was like I can't get up (laughs) because I'm so stuck to this couch anyways my friend Ashley popped in like two minutes after I posted that photo and it was like a very formal message hold on I want to see it I should have pulled this up beforehand keep in mind this is a friend that you mentioned before is younger yes she's quite a bit younger I think she she just turned 22 so she's young and she literally like sent me a picture of my own post and underneath she says hi this is a friendly check-in based on the quote drinking for two caption I just want to make sure you're okay smiley face and I was just like I responded to her I was like oh my god Ashley you're so sweet yes I'm fine don't worry I drank two glasses of wine and then I said I am a big fan of the check-in please do that for everyone because that's the best yeah and it just it made me so first of all it made me feel so loved and so seen and so cared for in a way that like when I was really deep and struggling with alcoholism I didn't believe like anybody would be capable of feeling that for me so it made me feel really good thank you Ashley but it also made me feel like a lot of people probably have some questions around like my situation and Mm -hmm. my circumstance because like I've I've mentioned like I still drink like Mm -hmm. I am a recovered alcoholic and I still drink and there are a lot of people in my life who don't understand that and also either undermine my my progress forward or don't recognize my progress forward because I still drink and I will say for me at least there is a distinct like headspace around being an alcoholic that I don't have right now Hmm. so like when I was really deep in like the depths of my addiction like there was a point where I was drinking like two bottles of wine just like on a Tuesday (laughs) a day in one day yeah in one day just like get home from work I would get home usually around like 5 30 and I would make dinner so I, I would have to open a bottle of wine while I was cooking dinner and also not cooking very well. Like, I was not eating great at this time either because I didn't know how to cook. And I would usually get, I want to say, like, three quarters of the way through the bottle of wine just while I was cooking dinner. And then I would have the last little bit of the bottle because I used to have a thing where I could not leave wine in the bottle because I know quite a bit about wine. I really enjoy drinking wine. And I know that the second you expose wine to oxygen, it starts altering the taste. And I used to have, and I actually still 
have such a palate for wine that I can tell exactly how many hours a bottle of white wine has been open. And it used to drive me insane to like open a bottle of wine day two and just taste the metallic difference. And like, yeah, I've, I've been telling myself <laughs> I'm just aerating it for extra long, <laughs> which is very incorrect. That is not how wine works. I mean, you don't like for what I was drinking, there was no need to aerate. Like I was drinking <laughs> white wine and pretty cheap white wine. Like the second you expose that stuff to oxygen, it's just game over. It tastes terrible the next en route day. to vinegar. Yep, pretty much. And I could and I could like instantly taste it. Even if it had been open for like four hours, I could tell. So it used to drive me nuts to leave a little bit of wine in the bottle. So I would have to finish a bottle every time I opened it. And then usually after dinner, by about seven, I would start being like, you know, I want something else to do. Like I just moved out when this was going on. I was like living alone for the first time. I didn't have a boyfriend who lived with me yet. I didn't have like a pet or anything to take care of. So it was like, it is time. Let's see how silly we can get. And like I would crack open that second bottle of wine and I had such a high alcohol tolerance because I had been drinking so much for so long that I wouldn't even start to feel drunk until like halfway through the second bottle. Like, it was intense, very deep. And also what I noticed, too, is the mindset around it was so negative, so intensely, like, just self-hating. Like, you boring loser, you're stuck in alone tonight. Like, might as well have a drink because what else are you going to do? You haven't written anything in so long. All you do is sit around being useless waste of space. Just, like, terrible, terrible, constant monologuing. And, like, any time in my life where I've gone through something really significant emotionally. I've always gone back to alcohol. It's like that one ex-boyfriend that you just like don't learn your lesson with. Like the first time I became a full-blown alcoholic, I was 18 years old. And I was so, I was going through a big thing when I turned 18 because like I grew up in a really strict household and it was just like such an awkward time of like my parents weren't really comfortable yet with like the level of independence I was like now legally entitled to. And like I was feeling really guilty because it was like it kind of made me feel like because I wasn't doing everything they wanted me to do that I was like failing as a daughter and like wasn't a good person, which obviously I know now is absolutely not true. They were just still being my parents and were not used to like me being an adult and doing what I wanted. And like look at me at 22. Like again, I got my heart broken. I was really lonely. I felt like I had failed because I didn't marry my high school boyfriend, which I'm sorry is the funniest thing now. And I started drinking again. And then in the pandemic, when I lost my job, I felt like I had failed professionally. So for me, whenever I feel that vulnerability of failure, that's when old reliable comes back out. And it's like, I cannot resist that siren call. I'm doing much better with it now, actually, and we'll touch on that later. But I think I think it can be really difficult for people to put down the glass or take off the mask. Mm -hmm. Because I think like being your inauthentic self, it's it's a bad habit and it's hard to break because it means addressing like what is the cause of the behavior instead of like at just dealing with the symptoms of like, oh, I drank too much and I have a hangover, like wow, whatever. Yeah. You know? And we mentioned in 
last week's episode, um, mm-hmm. the, the idea of social lubricant. Yeah. And those people that wanted to be tipsy to send that risky text so yep. they could explain away, that's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> if, if I had a crush on you in my 20s, <laughs> I am so sorry Oh, for I'm... <laughs> what you went through. I'm also sorry for anybody because who had a crush on ever. It was my flirting techniques yeah. consisted of locking eyes mm-hmm. across the dance floor. Yeah. Without practicing this in the mirror. Oh, I love the confidence. Let's go. Tell me the move. I would just directly stare people down. Oh, my God. I would just stare at them and not. I'm doing it to Lisa right now. Are you doing it to me? She immediately looked away. (laughs) I'm not saying this is a good technique. I'm not recommending this. That made me so violently uncomfortable just now. But, like, there would be, like, a crowd between us. Like, this would be, like, across a dance floor. You didn't come, like, the distance we are now is, like, what, two feet? Maybe that? Yeah, I didn't even lean in. Like, and I would, like, (laughs) I'm laughing at myself right now. But I would, like, take a sip of my drink because I was, like, uh, duck facing was all the rage. And then this way it looks like I'm not duck facing, but I'm totally highlighting my cheekbones this way. But I was also fairly innocent at that point. So now looking back, I'm like, that was the wrong message. That That is not the message you thought you were sending. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I I wasn't confident enough to have difficult conversations face to face. Yeah. So I'd start these, like, text conversations and not always tipsy, but, like, often just, like, Mm -hmm. later in the evening, like, the 10 p.m. text. Oh, the 10 p.m. text, not the midnight text. Oh no, I was, I was asleep. You have to remember. <laughs> I was asleep. You have to remember in high school. Oh, high I was school, on yes. the swim team. I was right. on the you're, rowing team. You were getting up early. Yeah, like rowing practice was five forty-five. Thankfully, oh, it was a ten-minute walk from my parents' house. Oh my god! So Molly and I would literally go to bed in our rowing clothes <laughs> and roll out of bed. Just get I up think, again. I think one time I brushed my teeth while walking down the hill to the <laughs> rowing club, like en route. So that's like, I have time. Oh my God. You're hilarious. Things but you do. I definitely hid behind that shield because mm. I, that way, if I re- reviewed the conversation the next day, yeah. I could reflect on it and be like, did I use this as an excuse to just mm-hmm. say what I really felt? Mm-hmm. Or did I use this so I had a fallback and I could be like, oh, so like I could take it back and be like, that yeah. wasn't what I really felt. So mm-hmm. I almost like use that as a way to test the waters. Mm. And it was something that I realized really quickly was not a good strategy. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like I still relied on that crutch. That being said, mm-hmm. I was also a lightweight. So, oh, yeah. Like for me, I think one time I tried to drink a whole bottle of wine, didn't even finish it, and was, like, violently ill. So that was a really good lesson. Still still can't drink Copper Moon. And I think I was... Have I ever told you my brief encounter with AA, actually? No, tell me. So this goes back to my summer camp counselor days, Mm -hmm. which was actually part of when I figured out, like, that, like, introvert-extrovert energy and, like, how it could exist together, but, like, I needed to give myself time to rest if Mm -hmm. I was going to be the extrovert Mm -hmm. so I went and worked at a summer camp the summer I have a fall birthday so I was 18 this summer but like about to turn 19 Mm -hmm. so that was the first year that I could really drink like I'd actually started my first year of university still 17 Mm -hmm. couldn't even sign my own waiver to go in the bouncy house for welcome week (laughs) so 
I actually like didn't get to participate in week of welcome activities because no. I, I wasn't old enough. Oh my so god! No, missed beer gardens, missed Ugh. all that. Like couldn't couldn't get into frat parties or anything because they no. check IDs. Yeah, they check. Well, yeah, they, ha- they have to. And this was back in two thousand nine, so like things hadn't even hit the fan. Oh man, that frat hadn't even been shut down yet for hazing. It was truly the yeah. wild west of yeah. fraternities and sororities. Jesus, yeah, dilly dally. My sister and I were in the lineup to go to a frat party there one time. <gasps> And someone we lifeguarded with spotted us from the balcony, yelled no, and marched us across the street. And he was like, this is a better spot for you. He's like, get out of here. And so to this day, I'd never been to like any of those shall not be named frat parties at that one place that (laughs) that got shut down I actually a very good high school friend of mine like dilly dally I actually had two dates to grad (laughs) it was my second date (laughs) like was this like a backup date so this was a give us some context him and I agreed he was like a very good friend of mine like at the beginning of 12th grade and it was like the kind of thing where like I knew he was like hanging around like sniffing around for something but I had like made it very clear to him that like I just like you as a friend and then like we we were in a weird friend group where it was like a lot of the people in the friend group started like coupling up and it was like also the beginning of the year is when you decide like your limos and everything like you decided like really far in advance from grad or at least okay you're shaking your head we We didn't we didn't we should have (laughs) okay well we like decided everything really early on and like we were in a limo with like all our friends who were all bringing their then boyfriend and girlfriend and I was like shit like I don't want to be, like, a single person in here. So I was just like, hey, like, why don't we go together? Like, let's just be each other's dates. Like, it'll be fine. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, he was really excited. Like, literally, he bought, like, a tie that matched mine. <laughs> like, everything. Match your dress or match- your tie? <laughs> oh, I wish I wore a tie. I wore my dress. Afro-Levine style <laughs> oh, over a ball gown. Yes. But what ended up happening is I started dating my terrible ex, basically, like, right before graduation happened. Like, I think it was, like, a month before graduation. And it was too late to, like, get him in our limo or anything. And I was like, well, and I also don't want to leave like my one friend dateless. So I basically have two great dates for grad. And Mm -hmm. one of them was my date for like the limo and the pre pictures at the Alberta legislature. Because everyone goes there. Everyone goes there. And then my other one was my date for like the actual dance. Mm. Which I know it's very hard to believe that I was a loser in high school, but I promise you I was a loser in high school. (laughs) Molly and I, because we switched high schools, we almost like got to our high school too late to be in a clique. And also there's two of us. So we were making different friends in different groups like all over school. We were in student leadership. We were on swim team, rowing Mm. team. We were joiners. If there there was a day of the week, we were in a club. Oh, my God. So we were were just friends with a lot of various people. And we Mm. mentioned like we would – we had like high school house parties where it would be such a random mix. But we were like a house party crowd my Mm. first year of university because there were quite a few people with fall birthdays. Oh, yeah. So – by the time that all of us could go to the bar, the people who had summer birthday, like yeah, spring or summer birthdays, were, were already it. kind of like sick of it. They were over, and plus, like, university started, like, people are mm-hmm. a little more serious about it, you know, than yeah. high school. So we were still, we but we were still like going out. But mm. I would say, like, my university experience was like maybe mm. once a week going out. Mm-hmm. Like, we weren't like, 
mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. drinkers, like some of the norm kids that you hear about. <laughs> like me. Um, but it still felt like such a big change from high school where I was mm-hmm. mostly sober at all the house parties we went to. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more logistics involved yeah. when people are drinking. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like last minute jumped on an opportunity to go be a summer camp counselor at mm-hmm. our accidental Bible camp. So I actually worked there for four months straight, which I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned. Oh, my God. But in May and June, there are – the site was used as a rental booking. Mm. So we weren't running kids' camps necessarily. There were church groups, all these things happening. Nice. And so we have this one weekend where they were like, oh, there's a men's group coming in this weekend. And we were like, great, cool. Mm. Um, I was like, okay, I'm like an 18-year-old girl. I'm going to have – yeah. We just kind of spoke about, we were like, we're just going to have the buddy system. Yeah, don't just, be. Just so there can be <laughs> no implications. Um, not that we felt worried about who was coming or anything. But at this time, the pool that I was hired to be the lifeguard for was not yet open. So <laughs> I was a floater yeah. and helping at both with the horses and mm. at the climbing wall and then kind of like as needed. Mm. But it actually ended up making me busier than when I was just focused on the pool later in the summer. Excellent. So I would often miss debrief meetings or nap through them because I was very <laughs> tired. So to this day, I still don't know if I just missed this information or if someone forgot to tell me. Yeah. Yeah, like this group comes, like uh, for when adults come for the weekend, like there's no bus sent out to them. Yeah, they all they drive, drive themselves. Mm-hmm. And like a ton of motorcycles showed up. And I was like, oh, like this is a cool church group. <laughs> It wasn't a Um, church group, was it? We get to campfire. So my friend and I, like, build up the campfire. We had had some issues getting the fire started because, like, this was still pretty early on. So we had just kind of gotten it going when the group started wandering in. And they were like, oh, like, if you wanted to stay and hang out. Like, I think this was night two with them. Yeah. Um, So they are like, yeah, like, you can definitely, um, like, hang out. This was an AA group. Ah, shut up. And I somehow had not pieced it together because, like, yes. I had been prepping for activities without mm-hmm. actually, like, spending a ton of time interacting with the people in this group. And they were all, yeah. like, very friendly, mm-hmm. like, very polite. Mm-hmm. They were probably actually, like, one of our best behaved groups mm-hmm. we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they go around the circle and they talk about why they're all there for the summer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I don't want to say something dumb that kind of, like, takes away from their experience or mm-hmm. makes anyone feel, like, yeah, I just didn't want to, I felt like I couldn't be serious enough. Yeah. But thankfully, my friend sitting next to me ended up going first, and she basically, she just said, and, like, to this day, I'm mm-hmm. very thankful for this, and she was like, you know what? I started university. I was in a habit of going out a lot. It didn't really feel genuine. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't feel like a pattern I wanted to be in, but I didn't know how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to just put myself in a new environment for the summer, get myself wow. out of some of those patterns with those people that were always inviting me out. Yeah. Because out of sight, out of mind for mm-hmm. four months. Truly. And she's like, I want to give myself a chance to reset before these behaviors get super unhealthy. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, wow, that's so smart <laughs> that she just came up with that on the spot. And then I was like, no, like, that's true. Like, she's yeah, not bullshitting. Not like, this is super valid. That's probably why so, she's here. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of piggybacked on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she and I had, like, an opportunity to f- reflect after. And we ended up having a great conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Because neither of us realized that we were feeling the same way. Yeah. And I think just having opportunities, like, and then I came back from the summer and my 
sister had like been going out without me a couple of times and she was like I didn't like that I'm gonna yeah. be the DD for like the next bit yeah. I think it actually started as a challenge with someone but she was gonna do a month no drinking and then mm. it turned into a year yeah just to prove she could wow yeah so I think just by the luck of the people around me mm. it made me reflect on the habits that I was building around alcohol and also like start recognize like honestly the sheer glorification that was happening mm. in the media around us mm-hmm. like if you listen to songs nowadays or just look at kind of like the culture of people going out like when mm. we went to the club we were in like those like bandage mini skirts and super high heels and God wobbling bless it. because you could blame the wobble on your heels exactly whereas yeah. nowadays like I feel like the younger generation has a much better mm. handle on healthy relationships with alcohol oh they absolutely do like my my younger friends I think I don't think any of them drink to the extent that I do like or I because do I used to they're formative legal first legal years mm-hmm. were at home in, in the their pen. parents basement yeah <laughs> in the pandemic did I tell you actually that okay so two things I went to virtual AA for most of the pandemic because I was struggling so much mm-hmm. with alcohol and actually when we first met I was really struggling when I left my old job because it was just like I was so burnt out and so like just exhausted that like it's amazing to me how just like that one little bit of like your brain being out of whack because you're so exhausted. It's like all your favorite coping mechanisms come back. So actually, when we first were like getting the podcast off the ground, I was going to AA once a week, sometimes twice a week, like just struggling to like, uh, was that not um, <laughs> that was when Annie and Richard got married too. That was really strong. that was that back was when the podcast was called Dear Drunk Diary. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we thankfully because you felt comfortable enough talking about it. Yeah, like, we quickly realized that was not going to be a good option for us. Well, we recorded one episode, and like, don't get me wrong, I had so much fun recording yeah. that one episode. But then, what gets me is like I get stuck in a cycle. When, when I drank that much, because like I think we we had like we split pretty much a whole bottle of wine when we were like recording in your basement. Yeah, because we were drinking out of child sized teacups yes. and we didn't realize just we were just <laughs> we were basically shooting wine. So yeah. also the speed at which we were going. Yeah. And like by the end of the episode, like I was having a great time and like what we were recording sounded really fun. And then like the second. So like my body, how how it feels to me when the alcohol starts leaving my system is the first phase is I just start getting really anxious, but like misplaced anxiety. So like one little thing will trigger me and it's no longer like I'm feeling anxious over how much I just drank because I'm dreading the feeling of the hangover. It's just like, I'm anxious about something else. Mm. Then it's the, I couldn't sleep that whole night. Like after we recorded, like I just could not sleep all night because I knew when I woke up in the morning, I would be hungover. And then when I was hungover the next morning, I like the whole time I could just think like I was just thinking in cycles of like, here you are again, head in the toilet. Like, how many times are we going to do this? You are getting too old to do this. Like, this is not cute. And like the cycle of like negative talking just kept building and building throughout the day. And then I noticed that night it was a pretty like nice evening out. And John was like, yeah, like you want to have a beer? We have beer in the fridge. Do you feel like a beer? And I said yes and took a drink. And immediately I was like, nope. 
we are not doing this again because it would have been so easy for me to just drink to numb the feelings, feel like a failure, take a drink again. Like it's and just avoid cycle. the hangover and the fear. Exactly. And like, I think it was shortly after that. I think I listened to what we recorded because I was like, before I shut it down, I want to see if it's, if it, mm-hmm. it actually is worth shutting it down for. Like, do we have something? Should we modify it? Whatever. And I listened to it and I was just like. It was. It was entertaining. Fun. It was fun. But I was that just was like. kind of it. But I was also thinking if I'm going to do a podcast, like like we were talking about intentions the other mm-hmm. day. If I'm going to put my name on it and say this is something I created, I want it to be something that I'm always going to be able to look at and be very proud of. And the only thing I could think when I listened to that again was like, there's Lisa. Once again, she's drunk. And it just really cheapened the whole thing for me. Yeah. And like, I really just like, I'm trying to get better, especially in therapy, that like, I, I have a very intense fear of failure. I don't like feeling like I failed my family. I don't like feeling like I failed my partner. I don't, I absolutely hate feeling like I failed a friend. And I hate feeling like I failed myself. Like, those are four things I just absolutely can't tolerate. But I also need to remind myself that, like, the real failure in life is allowing myself to view anything I do in absolute terms. Like, I'm allowed to make mistakes. We're all allowed to make make mistakes. That's how we learn our lessons. Like, it's an inherently neutral experience. The real failure is, like, not trying to be a better person and not recognizing when things don't feel authentic and true mm-hmm. to me. And I'm now at a point in my life where I'm like, I'm so much more than just a drunk girl. Don't get me wrong. I'm great at being a drunk girl. But, like, there's so much more to me than just that one dimension. And, like, I feel ready to, like, unleash her on the world. Yeah. And I, God knows I've unleashed drunk Lisa on the world so many times. <laughs> She's a delight, but like, she doesn't need to be the one running the show anymore, yeah. you know? So it's almost like Lizzie McGuire, her <laughs> yeah. little cartoon alter ego yes. with those orange slides <laughs> that are apparently in style this year. That's literally but, drunk Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Like I think when the show transitioned to the movie and then kind of ended, yeah, I almost felt like that was like a graduation of like this main character, Lizzie McGuire, not mm. needing the alter ego, the alter ego, because mm-hmm. she was brave enough to say things on her own. Yeah, yeah, she didn't need to have these narrations inside her head of what she mm-hmm. wished she'd said. So I feel like us like shutting down that version of the podcast before it started with us yeah. being like, no, we are not going to become caricatures of ourselves well even like this is so weird that we're talking about this right now but when I mentioned like Matt I think it's Matt the Lassie Mm -hmm. who's on the um celebrity beef podcast that I was talking Mm -hmm. about and I mentioned he used to do like wine about it with BuzzFeed back in the day because of that segment like it started off just being like huh Matt gets drunk like whatever but he was like I was filming those like five or six days a week to like create content for BuzzFeed like he said this in an interview he was like BuzzFeed, and this is all allegations, I could be remembering this wrong, Mm. but it was basically like he was being paid by BuzzFeed to develop an alcohol issue, which is like... Which is the premise of every (laughs) reality TV show ever. (laughs) Yeah, literally, literally. But I don't know. I think think there are so many ways to overcome, whether it's like addiction, chameleon personality, anything you do to be inauthentic. And I think the best strategy is honestly learning to practice radical self-acceptance and get comfortable just embracing yourself the way you are. Like, I'm not going to lie. 
and I will I will not cry, but I cried about this a little bit when I was like creating our little plan for what we we're going to talk about. But to be honest, the break we just came off of between season one and season two had me sweating before we went on. I was so nervous about being without structure for that long because like when I quit my job I was really triggered because I had a bunch of free time and it reminded me of the pandemic which is why I kind of twisted your arm to like let's start the podcast now let's Mm -hmm. give me something to do and I was really worried that like am I using the podcast as a as a crux crux crutch to like distract myself from like how much I want to drink I was just really like worried that with all the extra free time and like so much to celebrate too right now like Hannah's new to this world John has had some really big wins like professionally I've had some really big wins as well I was like there's so many things that are worth celebrating am I gonna kind of like slide down a slippery slope again but I think because I got so into meditating almost as a way to like fill the void it gave me a really good opportunity to do some self-exploration, both like in my own head and with my therapist and like, okay, life hack. I had the best experience doing a meditation where it was all about like basically having a conversation with your inner child. And it really made me think critically about like that negative loop I get stuck in whenever I get anxious or drink too much or, you know, get anxious because I'm drinking too much. Like I really get stuck in there. And one of the things that really helped me was being like, can you even imagine saying these things like you at four years old? Like, can you imagine like those inner child conversations? So intense. Oh my God. But I'm like imagining little four-year-old Lisa. She, okay, let's paint a picture. She has little like bright blonde hair. It's braided into two little pigtails. The pigtails are tied off with white ribbon and she has the most uneven bangs you've ever seen on a child. Relatable. Relatable. It's because, Less hair to brush. Well, I would always get scared and move when my mom was cutting them so they're like always crooked. And oh, my signature outfit was a little red plaid dress with like puppy sleeves and then like little like white frilly socks and Mary Jane. So imagine little Lisa and looking at her and being like, you useless piece of shit. Like, why are you doing this? Like, why do you suck so much? Like, you would never say that to a little Yeah, like, kid. both their faces right now oh are just God. horrified. Yeah, so it's like, mm-hmm. that that little girl, that little person is still in me. That's still who's piloting, like, part of this adult body. So, like, shut up, mean voice. <laughs> like, why are you being yeah. such a dick? She was doing the best <laughs> she could with the resources she yeah. had in the moment. Just like I am now. And, like, honestly, I did great. The whole time, like, I not once had the urge to drink more or felt like, gee, I have a free evening. I'm going to get absolutely bombed on this couch. Like, no, I was totally fine. It was like, I think the scary part was wondering whether or not I was going to be fine. And, like, now that I know that I'm okay, it's like, okay, well, like, that's that's done now. I don't need to worry about it at all. I also listened to, and this is a huge shout out and a plug for um, this Naked Mind podcast. Hmm. They do like all stories, like it's hosted by two people who've struggled with addiction and they get like real people who work all sorts of jobs, all sorts of walks of life to like share their experience, like not only being addicted to something, but like how they overcame it. And it's amazing to me how like the two common threads for overcoming addiction and like embracing their authenticity 
authentic self is you have to love who you are and recognize that you're worth saving. And boy, oh boy, does it really help to talk about it, whether it's yes. at AA or just being open with your friends like me and being like, yeah, I love alcohol, but unfortunately I drank all mine already. <laughs> like I'm done, you know? Yeah. Because in my experience, being on the other end of hearing disclosures about friends yeah. who are going through tough stuff, mm-hmm. the best way to get out of a terrible situation is to tell the truth to your friends. So yes. whether it's like a habit a habit or an mm-hmm. addiction that you just know is not healthy, but mm-hmm. you don't know how to get out of, just being able to be vulnerable mm-hmm. so that you can ask for help is so important because I think it's hard. It is. We don't like doing it. Well, even like remember me when, well, remember me. You didn't really know what was going on and you also didn't really know me. But remember me in the beginning saying like when I knew it was really bad, was when I was doing so much internal negotiation every time I had a drink and be like, I'm not an alcoholic because like I I don't drink all alcohol or like I'm not an alcoholic because it's 6 p.m. and I don't start drinking until 7 or like I'm not an alcoholic because I don't get up and need a drink. But like I am an alcoholic in that once I start, I have a really hard time stopping if I'm not in the right mindset, which like I, I feel like there's so much power in being able to tell people that. Yeah. You know? And being able to be like, this doesn't defy me and I'm not ashamed of it either. Yeah. And I got called out hard by my family doctor, actually. Whoa, really? Because I think I was like 19, 20, like gone in for physical. And mm. she was like, oh, like, like how much do you drink? And I was like, not that much, like once a week. And she's like, okay, hey, how many drinks do you have mm-hmm. that once a week? And I was like, usually like three to five. Yeah. Which was accurate. I wasn't even lying. And she's mm-hmm. like, that's your weekly allotment. Yeah. So she's like, you may as well be drinking every day at that point. I was like. Yeah. Shut the front door. Yeah. Like, that is not how I masked this out in my head. I had a moment with my family doctor not too long ago, but she was just like, oh, like, how's the drinking going? And, like, there was also a point in time where I would be having, like, I think in the pandemic, an average day, I would go through a whole six-pack of beer by myself. Kelly just blinked, and it was the loudest blink I've ever heard. But, yeah, I would drink a six-pack of, pack of beer by myself. Totally fine. But she was asking me, she was like, how are you doing with the alcohol now? And I was like, I'm actually doing really damn good. And she was like, how, how many times a week do you drink? I was like, most days, like, average week, not at all. Mm-hmm. If there's, like, a party, something to celebrate, then I'll probably have, like, two glasses of wine. Like, that's probably it because I love wine. We, we all know that. I'm a sommelier. Um, <laughs> but – and then she challenged me. She's like, how big are the pores, though? And I was like, well, I'm not going to lie, Roberta. They're they're pretty generous. Did you know bottle wine is mm-hmm. six glasses, not four? I know. I fucking learned that the other day, and I was like, uh, but then I was also like, you know, we can't win them all, Doc. Like, I'm not drinking like that every day anymore. I think I because I do like I do love wine. I do love like a really nicely prepared beer, like at the perfect temperature is just absolutely gorgeous to me. And I've also spent a lot of time and money curating a beautiful palette. It would be a waste to be sober. Like, it no. just would. That's so, like a million-dollar idea, though. If someone <laughs> can make non-alcoholic beer and wine that Ugh. actually tastes good. Because it, it doesn't. It, do- it doesn't. But, you know, I'm like, take your wins where you get them. And I don't think it's a failure that I'm not sober. Even though I know some people will say it is, I know that it's not a failure. I feel really It's a good. journey. Yeah, it's a journey. And, like... Who knows? Maybe one day I'll be like, eh, I'm over it. I'm done. Like, you know, you can only go 
to the same nightclub so many times. You can only drink so many glasses of the same beautiful, perfect wine before it's like, eh, I've had my fill. So we'll see if that changes over time. But like for right now, I feel like I'm at last at a place where my authentic self shines through. And I don't need a a drink in my hand to prove that. And I think just the fact that so many more people nowadays are Mm. getting a bit more like self-reflective is great because there are some people who are sober for very valid reasons, whether whether it's by choice, whether it's for health, whether it's for mental health. Like Mm -hmm. there are so many different reasons people could be sober for. And just like having options Mm -hmm. at adult establishments like if if you're going to the pub or the bar mm-hmm. just have fun mocktails shout out to oh. rhubarb cafe oh my god where we best. did our photos at because their mocktails are delicious absolutely delicious and yeah that's been my favorite trend or my favorite like little sidebar thing of gen z being more sober than any other generation mm-hmm. is now there's actually mocktails that I feel like cool and fun and sexy drinking. Like there's no, there's no bigger like cooler than being on a date and your date orders like a sensual sexy glass of wine and you're like I'll have an iced tea. <laughs> like, yeah, like a Shirley Temple. Yeah, yeah it's just like murder me. Like there's nothing worse than also like being at the bar and like being the DD and being mm. like oh I'll just have a coke and instead of giving you like a highball glass I, that looks like they give you the big else's, glass. They give you the big glasses, <laughs> which they think they're being nice, but it's like no, I want to blend in. Yeah, I want. Coke on ice with a lime twist. And it's also like, I don't necessarily want to talk about where I am with my sobriety with every single person around me. If I disclose it to you that, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic and I only drink for XYZ, like, I don't necessarily want to, like, talk about it more than that. Like, what else am I supposed to say? I also don't like the, oh, like the pitying looks. It's like, actually... I feel bad for you. Like, <laughs> I think my summer challenge to myself, because mm. sometimes I do this, I'm not always good at remembering, though, is instead of going to people being like, oh, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah. It's easier at my own house, because I can be like, these are the options in the fridge. Mm. What would you like? And then mm-hmm. instead of making people explain, yeah. they just have, they just pick one. Yeah, I really appreciate the last few times we were at, like, your house for, like, I don't know, parties or, like, whatever we were doing. Speak Now. Speak speak Now release Taylor's version. One of my favorite things is you don't make me ask for, what are the non-alcoholic options? Instead, you're just like, here's everything in, in the fridge. And I love being like, yeah, I'll just have a bubbly. Like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you for being that person for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm. It, it wasn't difficult. I think this is a good place to draw the line. <laughs> yeah, okay. So what are our key takeaways today? A lot of what we talked about comes down to just having conversation. Mm. Um, having different people in your life is yeah. good, like just to go back to last week's episode. And mm. also, if you're keeping secrets from your friends, <laughs> maybe think about why that is. Yes, I mean... There is a reason why I don't think anybody in my life knew I was an alcoholic until I started disclosing it. I think the only... Until it became past tense. Until it became past tense. I think the only person who said anything to me was Emily. And it was literally like one time and it was she came over and saw our recycling and she just looked at me and she's like, you and John are drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. And like it was just a statement. But also she knew that John, John was working up north for most of the time then. So it was kind of a like not directly calling me on what was going on, but a she was like your household that is mostly just you right now is drinking a lot. I know. And it was just like a very raw moment of 
I see you. Mm-hmm. I see you and we aren't talking about it, but like I'm clocking it. And yeah. it, it was like no judgment, no, no like conversation beyond that. But it was just, yeah. So I think I think getting to the point where getting to the point where you accept what's happening to you in order to talk about it, I think it, it's one it's the hardest part. Yeah, it's the hardest part, but face that inauthenticity. Yeah, admit, admit it. Hey, this is not the me that I should be. What are we gonna do about it? <laughs> the me that I should be. Yeah. The title of this episode. Oh my god, perfect. Okay, see you. See you next week. We never say that, but let's draw the line. Yeah, there let's draw go. the line. Bad at Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad at Boundaries. Thanks for listening.